I'm Bob Cutmore, and this is Talk of the Town on Magic 590, also heard on 100.5. Joining us is Albany County Executive Daniel McCoy. A native and resident of the city of Albany, Dan McCoy became county executive in 2012 after serving a dozen years as a county legislator. Uh, One new story that I saw in the past uh, few weeks had to do with sick time. A proposed county law would require employers to allow workers to accrue a minimum of one hour of sick time for every 30 hours worked. I mean, we're not just talking about county worker. I mean, workers for the county. We're talking about the anybody employed in Albany County? Correct. Correct. You know, as a primary human uh, services provider in the county, we're, we're kindly aware of the challenges affecting those impacted by poverty. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, we had the flu epidemic going on. And unfortunately, a lot of this, a lot of these workers that work in part-time industries, that's how they make their living. That's how they pay their rent. That's how they pay for their food on their table. Mm-hmm. And the last thing we want them to do is to come in to work sick. And, you know, when they have children and they're sick, they can't go to school or they can't go to daycare for the day, uh, they have to take the day off with no pay. So this really gives that balance. And it's proven statistically that it actually gives the workforce, um, you know, the company, uh, better profits at the end of the year. And, you know, again, it's just the right thing to do for the people here in Albany County. Mm. What's been the reaction from the businesses in the county? You know, I, I think of a lot of them are a little sh- shaken up. You know, they're afraid it's like another, you know, uh, burden on them. But really, if you take care of the workforce, you know, you have a lot of uh, people that might work 30 hours a week in your company or 20 hours a week, and then something happens and they got to take the week off or, and they don't get hours back. Or they come into work and infect other workers. So it's proven again, that, you know, on the facts that it's better for the company at the end of the day. They make more profits. The worker comes in happier. You're getting a better production, better customer service. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about because if you don't have good customer service, right, people aren't coming back to your business regardless how good your coffee is or your sandwiches or your soup. You know, this is, uh, this is to take care of people. Um, it's the right thing to do. And I, I stand behind the legislation. Just one more thing. I mean, it, it seems that like with the teacher strikes in different parts of the, of the country, there's more of an emphasis on working people and their needs as opposed to just the bottom line. Or, is, or think, it's almost like to me, it seems like we've turned some sort of a corner. Do you think so? Yeah, we have. You know, I mean, it's something that, uh, you know, when I've talked to a lot of workers and, and you got to remember um, you know, there's roughly like uh, 4,400 people this affects that that are lo- that make less than twenty thousand dollars a year, um, and this is again about taking care of the worker. But it's we're not looking to affect the bottom line for work the workforce. We're not looking to hurt businesses. We're looking to roll up our sleeves and work with them uh, in, in a partnership. And you know, and if that partnership means the county might have to do some things to help them out, we're okay with that. We're going to keep the dialogue going, but. Again, you know, with the flu epidemic, we don't want workers and work sick. Mm-hmm, we don't right. want, you know, when their children are sick, we want them to be able to take care of them. Let me ask you about uh, shared services. The county's working on a plan to save money through shared services, and uh, specifically um, the shared equipment program. This is for different county uh, municipalities and so forth. How does that work? Well, it, it, it works like this. One of the things that we've been doing with the governor is uh, – under the shared service panel, we've been discussing how we can share services and work together to save money, like when it comes to buying big, heavy equipment. Mm-hmm. And that's been an issue all the time, trying to buy this heavy equipment. 
uh, for you know, you got to bond it. You bond it for twenty or thirty years. Well, guess what? That that piece of equipment doesn't last twenty or thirty years. Right. So, uh, you know, when I first became county executive, one of the things I took on was I meet with all uh, 19 leaders, town, city, and village leaders, and we've been discussing how we can work together. Now, under this new share, you know, under the shared service stuff, uh, we're mandated by law, you know, but we've been doing it. But we have a unique opportunity that we can save all this money in the county by working together. And but basically, Albany County has 351 pieces of equipment that uh, we, we categorized. And we'll say to, like, uh, Bethlehem, you know, oh, you need this piece of truck? Don't go out and buy it. You can borrow ours. Because sometimes you have uh, different equipment for different jobs, mm-hmm. but you don't need it all the time, and it mm-hmm. sits there. So we can let Bethlehem borrow, Colony, Gilliland, and everyone has agreed. And what's going to happen is this is going to have a significant savings, uh, you know, for the taxpayers. And when it's fully implemented, it could save up to a half a million dollars, which is huge. Because okay. as bills go up and we try to stay under the cap and not raise taxes— Everything helps. Would all these would these specialized pieces of equipment be owned by the county, or sometimes by an uh, by a local town, and they'd share it as well? Correct. It, it, a lot of the, you know, obviously, because the county's bigger, we have a lot more different equipment. But uh, certain cities or villages might have a specialized piece of equipment that we don't have. Or what happens a lot of times? Sometimes you got an older piece of equipment that breaks down. So again, by categorizing everything, looking at how we can share services in the workforce, uh, this is really going to have a huge impact on the taxpayers of the county over time, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, everyone's, uh, everyone got on board. I think there was like two towns that did not, um, but, you know, everyone else is on board in the county, and it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great program going forward. We could turn to the uh, opioid uh, crisis. Oh. We've discussed that with you quite a bit, and Albany County's filed suit against the makers of opioid painkillers. Uh, what's going on with this effort now? You know, we, we ended up in federal court. I hired uh, Joe Rice from Motley and Rice, the, the firm that actually took tobacco down. And, you know, we, you know, here's one of the things when you have the Goliath and David fight. You want to make sure that at the end of the day uh, you have the right tools in the arsenal to win. So we went out, and I feel we got one of the best firms uh, in the nation to help us represent on this to make a difference. Because as we're talking right now on your radio show, 150 people died today from opiate overdoses. Mm. And this epidemic that's going on with prescription drugs, these pharmacists knew about it. They, they had the statistics. They knew that they were, people were getting addicted. They know people were overdosing, and they continued to do it. Uh, someone, a, a drug dealer on the street corner versus a three-piece suit or someone out in a dress selling these pharmaceuticals is no better than the drug dealer hanging out on the street. They should be prosecuted the same way. The CEO should be arrested. But uh, what has happened is we ended up in Cleveland. Judge uh, Daniel Polster brought everyone together, all the cases across this nation, 250 of them, put them in this courtroom and said, we have to figure this out. We have to change this epidemic because 80% of your heroin users come from opiates. And in 2015, I believe, roughly, uh, these pharmaceutical companies made upwards of uh, over $14 billion. Mm. So they should be held accountable, but we have to change the way we, the doctors uh, examine people, the way we give people pain medicine. Uh, this is a national epidemic that has ramifications, I and mean, a lot of people don't realize this, uh, it has ramifications on foster care. And one of the things that I talked about foster care is that uh, New York Times did a great story on it. There's a national epidemic because mm-hmm. these parents are addicted. The kids are born addicted. Uh, the parents can't take care of the kids. They end up in foster care, and we have to find parents. And we have to break this cycle because this thing is going to be ongoing for generations because Once these kids, the the kids that are addicted, they go through the system and it's just 
they follow in their parents' footsteps, unfortunately. And that's what we need to break that cycle. And we need to highlight people here, just not in Albany County, but across this great nation, to take kids in, open up your hearts, um, and give them an opportunity for a better outcome in life. Another uh, public health issue came up in the past week. The Albany County Legislature uh, voted uh, a drugstore tobacco ban to ban the sale of tobacco products in drugstores. The vote was 26 to 11. Um, This now goes to you. Will you assign this measure? Well, you know, uh, they've done this before. And one of the things is I don't like vetoing stuff. Uh, but uh, I had a veto of this legislation, I think, like three, four years ago, because uh, they were the way it was, the law was written, um, it couldn't be enforced, and there was no uh, way to uh, put punitive damages against these pharmaceuticals that do anything. Mm-hmm. But we'll have a public hearing. I have our county attorney looking at it right now. I'm looking at all the stuff that the supermarkets agreed to a couple years ago to change to see if they implemented them changes, and I'll make my decision after the public comment period. Organ donors, you've teamed up with the Center for Donation and transplant uh, to uh, and a particular transplant recipient, Dave Gray, to raise awareness about the need for organ donors. Uh, why is this campaign needed? 19 people die a day each day waiting for organ transplants here, uh, in, in New York State. And the problem with that is uh, if one per you know, God forbid you go through something, you lose a loved one. The last thing you want the doctors to come in and say, hey, um, Sorry that you lost your husband or your spouse or your child or your brother, your sister, aunt, uncle, or friend. But uh, can we use their organs? You know, So we're encouraging people to take that away uh, at a time of loss in your family. Mm-hmm. And if they register, uh, it's on their driver's license. It's on their, their records. And the doctors won't have to go ask your loved one after they tell you that you passed away. Um, you know, One person, unfortunately, if they pass away, can save up to eight people. Mm. You know, in Omni County, I'm happy about 33% of the people are registered donors. On a statewide level, I believe it's 29% on a statewide level. So we're leading the pack, but I want to continue to, and I want to encourage other counties to register uh, because it can make a difference in someone's life. And uh, God forbid, hopefully none of your listeners are on that transplant Mm -hmm. list uh, and they don't know anyone. But just think about taking a minute of your time and sit there and go, you know what? It is a nice thing to do if something happens to you that you can save someone else's life. Keeping kids safe. Uh, You're taking part in a program on this topic at uh, Colony Central High School. Uh, It's it's been in the news quite a bit, obviously, this uh, topic. What are some of the ideas being uh, talked about locally? You know, Keeping Kids Safe, uh, it's a program that is really going to educate and talk to kids. It's kind of like my healing moments. Uh, and then just the same thing we did at UAlbany a couple months ago, I believe like two months ago, uh, they have that uncomfortable discussions to talk about the topics that's going on, to talk about what happened in Parkland, Florida, to talk about what has happened in many other schools. Not only was there an increase in national attention on the issue, but school safety, but students themselves took an active role mm-hmm. and talk about how they are making a difference, how you can make a difference if you speak up. Uh, and that's what we want, we, we, the discussion about what we want to get into and uh, this, this forum will continue to discuss about the involvement of uh, a couple hundred students as well to really discuss um, how they see things. You know, because, you know, let's face it, I hate to say it when you have kids and, they, you know, when we were younger and we looked at our parents, we're like, you don't know what you're talking right. about. And, uh, you know, I get that from my kids. And, you know, so we want to connect with them uh, and we really want to see what we can do to make a difference in their eyes and, and educate them, too, about uh, all the safety measures and everything that they can do to protect themselves in case this happens. But again, to have them uncomfortable discussions to really open their opinions up. 
What about having uh, police officers in the schools? Do you think that's a, a good idea? I mean, there that happens a lot in this your county quite a bit, right? S- sadly, it does. I mean, I think the town of Bethlehem's had a police officer in there forever. Um, I know the city of Albany has resource officers. Uh, a lot of them do that instead of police officers, but they got metal detectors. You know, my daughter goes through a metal detector every day. Um, you know, it's it's safety procedures, and you know, it's it's sad that we're at a crossroads in this nation. Uh, but we have to protect our kids because as parents, when you drop your kids off at school, it's like dropping them off at home. You think they're in a safe sanctuary place, and we don't want to believe anything bad can happen to them. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's the way the direction of this country is going in, and, and it's something that that's going to be permanent, I believe, forever. Let me bring up uh, law enforcement in a way to ask you about Sheriff Campbell. Since the last uh, time uh, you were on with us, uh, the retired Albany County Sheriff James Campbell, who served as the top law enforcement officer for six terms before retiring in 2011, he passed away. Uh, what are your th- his your thoughts on his passing? You know, he he was. Um, I don't like to use the word legend, but he here's a gentleman that had a distinguished career in the state troopers, retired from the state troopers, came to Albany County and. You know, he, you know, in uh, the sheriff before him, George Fonte did a good job, but he really brought them up to the 21st century. You know, he implemented a ton of programs, outreach programs, you know, the Hilltown Christmas for the kids up in Burn Knox, Westerlo. These are programs that he did, and he groomed a great force. I mean, the sheriff we got today uh, was handpicked by uh, Sheriff Campbell, you know, and that really just shows uh, how he really turned the force around and Instead of going external uh, for his replacement, he found somebody internally. Uh, you know, obviously we all know Sheriff Apple, uh, but you know Jim has left uh, a legacy on this county that's going to be second to none for for a long time uh, because of you know his integrity, his selfless service, and the way he carried himself and cared about the men and women and children of this county. Let's uh, go over to the Albany Airport. I gather there's some news there that uh, Elite Airways has. Uh, Started some flights. Where, where are they going? A- absolutely. Elite Airline, uh, I have to say, John John uh, O'Donnell has done a fantastic job wor- working with the Albany International Airport and really uh, attracting new businesses. Um, you know, on one jet service to Buffalo Monday through Friday started earlier this year. Elite may make another announcement later this month that they're looking to expand to other service areas. So basically on Elite, you can get on, instead of driving that five hours out to Buffalo, Literally, I want to say probably within 45 minutes, you're up and you're down. Um, I was joking around with the CEO because he goes, oh, we offer free uh, drinks, uh, free papers. When you're thinking, I go, by the time you get up in the air and <laughs> right. you land, what? he goes, that's the point. But uh, they also talked about, uh, to the Buffalo fans in the Albany area, and I don't want to put any news out there, and I know they're exploring it. I don't know if they're going to do it. But they talked about on uh, for uh, Sunday football games. Doing mm-hmm. a special yeah. plane out there where they can fly fans out from the capital district out to the game and back home. And I go, wouldn't that be fun to say you're instead of getting a train out for eight hours or driving out five hours and turning around or spending the night? Um, it, it's it's a reasonable priced airline and uh, actually great customer service. But I thank the airport for what they're doing out there. Well, I remember when there were regular flights to Buffalo, but they they were gone been gone for a long time. Is that right? Or they were- yes, you know it's 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 again this market's on demand. You know, I mean, and unfortunately at a point it kind of dropped down a little bit. Um, but I think Elite has a special model that may work, and uh, I hope they're going to be here for a long time. Okay. What's going on at the uh, nursing home, the renovation plans? Uh, the nursing home. 
you know, it, it, it's you know that's going to be a gem again in Albany County because back in the seventies when they built the the nursing home, I believe in seventy one in the Ann Lee home, you know, uh, you had to know somebody to get in there. And I hate to say it this way, and I don't want to go back to these days. You had to know a politician or someone to get <laughs> in there. Um, there's a long waiting list, and for some reason, over you know, before I took over as county executive, uh, you know, for twelve or fifteen years, it deteriorated. Uh, we stopped investing in the building. We stopped taking care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became an eyesore and it became a battlement and, uh, we, we turned it around. We're investing over $60 million into the nursing home. And, you know, my, my thing is we partnered with AARP mm-hmm. and we got the age friendly designation. We're only one of a hundred in this country that have gotten that. And there's certain requirements that come with that, uh, because we have over 60,000 seniors living longer over the, you know, uh, over 60, living longer, want to stay home. They don't want to go in a nursing home. No one wants to go in a nursing home. But we want to say if they have to make that transition, this is their home. We want their loved ones or their friends to come there saying, wow, I want to live here. This is home. You know, this became home for my mom, dad, or my loved one or my, you know, whoever it may be to you. Uh, so when we change this nursing home, and it hopefully will be done in June of 2020, uh, it's really going to be the centerpiece of Albany County, and uh, I'm proud of it. And we did another unique thing. Uh, we're partnershiping with uh, Sheriff Apple, Apple to put the 911 system in there. So that'll be on the top floor of the nursing home. So we'll have the safest nursing home in the state of New York <laughs> okay. because we can respond within two seconds. Have any of the changes been implemented now? Or Oh, yeah. No, we've, we've been changing, remodeling. We're getting it ready for, the, you know, for when we really start doing the heavy construction. There's going to be private rooms. Uh, the entranceway is getting all redone. Uh, I will tell people it's a place. It's great. Listen, the workforce is great. They take good quality care of the people. Now you're going to have facilities to go with the workforce. Colonel uh, Maurice Savage was May's honor a veteran uh, person uh, for his service uh, to our country. And this is another county program. Can you tell us about uh, Colonel Savage? Yeah. um, You know, we've uh, my compliments to the former county executive, Mike Breslin and, and Congressman Mike McNulty. And, uh, you know, uh, I think there's one other person that's escaping my uh, mind right now. Uh, Mike Hoblock, the former county executive, okay. uh, that started this program. And ba- basically what they do is they honor a deceased veteran once a month. And you pick someone in Omni County, there's a committee that's formed of veterans, and they decide, who you know, who's getting it that month. Uh, we have nothing to do with it. But Maurice, here's a unique guy that uh, I got to know in the, in the military because I'm still in the New York Army National Guard, mm-hmm. but served for 33 years. And he was an immigrant from uh, Ireland, uh, County uh, Kerry, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they used to call him Mo or Moses, as the family said that day, uh, but had a, a distinguished career. And, and not just that, in the community, too. He was uh, the Grand Marshal in 1999 for the, for the St. Patrick's Day Parade, very involved in the AOH, very involved in programs throughout the, the county, and uh, continued to work in, in Latham after he retired. You've been listening to Talk of the Town with our guest, Albany County Executive Daniel McCoy. This program can be heard as a podcast on albanymagic.com and bobcudmore.com. Next week on Talk of the Town, we'll talk with Schenectady Mayor Gary McCarthy. I'm Bob Cudmore.